Hi everyone, this is KK Downing and you're listening to Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. So crank it up as loud as you can. In a world entrenched in darkness, desperately seeking hope and security, a coalition of nations invoke a highly classified program commissioned by their ancestors generations ago for such a time when all else has failed. They called for but one man to light the flame, to carry the torch, which is really a guitar, ready to blast the battle cry. Behold, the time has come for Rock and Roll. Welcome to the Monday show, my friends. We made it. We are back in the saddle. Yes, I know it's painful. It just sort of hits you, boom, like a like a, a punch to the face, right? You know, you you have this uh, extended uh, holiday week, which you know, for the Fourth of July happening in the middle of the week, practically, you might as well say it. Um, it feels like we had more time away, or at least uh, most folks did. And uh, th- but then you come back to things on a Monday, and it it just hits you really cold. Usually a holiday weekend happens really fast and then you know Monday's coming, you kind of dread it. I think most people, you know, they they enjoyed it. People were traveling far, I think in many cases farther. Somebody said that, um, I don't know, I did not see the stats, but somebody said there might have been more travel, just a bit more travel for the 4th of July weekend than Thanksgiving, you know, and perhaps it was the timing of it back in the middle of the week and, uh, and all of that so you have more time off from work and you can move about and uh, get your red, white, and blue on and uh, and watch those fireworks and have a nice cookout and see all your friends and uh, hopefully have a safe and, and a prosperous time. And so I that is my wish for all of you that you did all that. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you've got a tan to show for it if you were down the shore at the beach or something. But I tell you, if you were on the East Coast, some major storms ripped through the area almost every day. I don't think there was a day I did not get rained on. Not complaining. Hey, it is Mother Nature is what it is, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, and all the humidity too covered a tornado the other day in a Jersey, uh, which fortunately nobody was hurt by. But we are here. It's um, it was a bit cooler out today and uh, clear skies, so we are ready to move on. And uh, you know we've got a, a little bit of a case of the Mondays. Not gonna lie, a little bit of a case of the Mondays, but that's okay because we got rock and roll to uh, celebrate or to to clear that up a little bit. Kind of like your sinuses, just clear it up a little. Pop a pill pop a little bit of rock and roll pill and we are good to go um no, that's not a drug reference, ladies and gentlemen, or not not an illegal drug reference. Let's be clear, okay, on the show. Um, and oh, talked with uh, KK Downing of the weekend. Um, had a few minutes uh, to talk with him. I think he actually meant to call somebody else. He was talking about um, preparing for the uh, this what will likely be, if not his first, it will be a rare appearance on stage. Uh, he will be playing with Ross the Boss from Manowar uh, and his band at the Bloodstock Festival next month. Uh, so KK was, uh, he was telling me that he got an invite to do, uh, something in California, but felt that it was, a, you know, a bit far from where he is, of course, in the UK. So he will be on, uh, August 11th, um, joining, uh, Ross the Boss at the, uh, UK's Bloodstock, uh, festival. I've never been to that. And, uh, you know, I wonder, um, how heavy and, and hard hitting they do it over there. Um, Blabbermouth had written an article about it just, uh, 
you know, once the news was released, uh, and uh, they said that uh, Ross went on Facebook. They have the quote from Ross the Boss Friedman's uh, Facebook page here. Uh, we, the RTB band, are so effing excited. <laughs> almost got me there. Almost had me. Um, uh, and honored to have K.K. Downing, an immortal metal legend, joining us on stage in front of some of the greatest metal fans in the world at Bloodstock, UK. So that's in Derbyshire, unless they say Derbyshire over there, not quite sure, but Derbyshire, uh, August 11th uh, at uh, uh, Catton Park in the UK. So August 11th is the date. We'll look for some video on that. That's going to be some really cool stuff there. Um, we've been talking about uh, great movies um, with awesome songs like classic rock songs that we know and love that have transformed the way we see a scene in a movie or maybe transformed the way we hear that song after seeing it in a in an incredible scene in a movie you know um give me shelter by the rolling stones it's been used in you know a bunch of shows and movies probably the opening of the departed um is where you know many people recognize it most um you put aside the you know the the tough language and and uh, some of the you know the racial stuff of course which was part of that era unfortunately you you sort of put that aside but understand the movie in its context and you hear that song and it's just uh i don't know it does something about it's something about that era and uh you know those those kind of uh you know rough uh gangster life movies uh, where you have a little bit of uh stones or any of that 60s music that just it just it does something you know it does something so uh the production team really knew what where they were doing uh when they used um that song there uh again it's a it's a it's an iconic movie it's it's not the you know there's it, it's it's certainly not pg i mean if you haven't seen it seen it it's uh you know it's it's it has graphic stuff in it. It's it's one of those kind of movies, you know, where it's it's you know you you have to see it, but uh, you know it's some people might be sensitive to some of the things that are said and some of the things that happen, uh, but uh, you know such as life with those kind of uh, you know drama movies and drama that have that kind of angle to it. Um, we had talked about uh, well, this was one that I was uh, it has always surprised me. Um, back from the earlier part, I think, of the decade, uh, Bad Teacher, which it was not a huge movie with uh, Cameron Diaz, not a huge, huge movie, I think, by any means, but there was a lot of rock and roll on it, and it was, I mean, okay, still, you know, still of the night, White Snake, you know, fine, that, that's going to be in anything, but when they played The Ripper by Judas Priest, and they played Dio... I mean, it was it was mind blowing. I got to tell you, it was a really wild and mind blowing thing that they were going to do that. Um, you know, because somebody on the production team must have been a big fan of that kind of music, and uh, you never know. It just it, it happens. Hey, I like Judas Priest. I'm going to put Judas Priest in this song. <laughs> you just hey, it was. But it was it was cool. And uh, we talked on the last show about um, uh, like American Psycho and. I, I, another random one, Genesis and Phil Collins. It just was so. I mean, it made sense for the era of the movie taking place in seventy, in eighty-seven, eighty-eight. But you know, and Phil Collins was huge, obviously. But still, it was uh, just. It, it was like, oh my gosh! I mean, this is you know. Uh, you know, you, you listen to, I mean, if you watch the videos for, I mean, Land of Confusion was, you know, creative with the puppets, but if you listen, if you watch the video for Invisible Touch, if you watch the video for anything she does, you know, uh, it was fun. It was all, it was just guys having fun in a band, you know, 
and uh, you you would never think that they'd be referenced in a horror movie with a deep uh, focus on psychology and psychosis and just all of this this you know pretty wild stuff. Um, but I think maybe that's what made it work, you know. And and again, the writers maybe they just you know we know the writers have great taste in music. That much I can say. I've never been a horror movie uh, buff, but uh, you know uh, it took me a while. It was weird listening to Genesis after that. <laughs> And you watch a Genesis video, and then you heard people taking the quote from the main character in that movie, uh, Patrick's character, um, well, the Patrick Bateman character, and and his explainer of Genesis in each song. So if you watch, like, you know, the the Genesis video for In Too Deep, which is in that, that that song, which is in that movie, you you read a quote, somebody says, uh, you know, his remark about Genesis, and from the movie quoting it, and... It's, it's pretty funny. And some people probably quote it word for word. Um, so we'll get a little bit more into the movie stuff um, later on in the show. Um, there is a cool thing uh, that I saw. I, I smile when I see anything related to Van Halen and Sammy Hagar um, and Michael Anthony. So uh, the cover page of uh, Ultimate Classic Rock, they've got a story here uh, where they interviewed uh, Sammy Hagar talking about his friendship with Michael Anthony. Uh, the day Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony became friends is the article. Um, if you're making a list of the best friends in rock and roll, it won't take very long before you get Sammy Hagar and Michael get to Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. During their decade together in Van Halen, the duo forged a bond that even Hagar's 1996 dismissal from the group couldn't destroy. I remember that, by the way, and I felt like Michael Anthony was in a weird place where he, he could not say much. You know, he couldn't really say anything because uh, he was still in the band and probably probably did not want to tick off the brothers too much, you know. Um, but uh, the article says their latest band, The Circle, just released its debut album, Space Between, and Hagar tells UCR how he met his, quote, dearest friend in the world and how it took several years for them to realize just how well they got along. Uh, quote, or here's the question, as a solo artist, you shared uh, some bills with Van Halen back in the 70s. Is that when you met Michael? I did play with them, but I didn't meet Mike back in the day. Guitarist Eddie Van Halen always came to my dressing room. He was a big fan of Matro's and would come back to my room and was really humble. I don't think I met Michael until I walked into the 5150 studio in 1985 for what I guess you could call an audition, but it wasn't really an audition. I went down to jam with the boys when Eddie asked me to come down. Um, he said, I wasn't interested. I was doing well. I uh, you know, had just finished the VOA tour. I mean, I was home for two days. Uh, shaved my hair off because it was all fried from the sweating every night from uh, the lights on stage. I thought, Oh, I'll just shave it off. I'll take a year off and write a new record. Take it easy. He calls me two days later, says, why don't you come on down? I said, yeah, give me a couple weeks or something. And he goes, well, how about tomorrow? He's talking about Eddie Van Halen. Um, he was in a hurry. When I walked in the door, it was the first time I had met Michael. Him and Ed uh, and drummer Al Van Halen were there. Uh, they'd been up all night trying to get some music together for me to jam to. They had summer nights and good enough. We jammed for about 12 hours. I took a cassette home and I said, I like this music. I'm joining this effing band. Uh, that was the first time I met Mike. The question was, um, the second question here How quickly did you and Michael become friends? Back then, he and I didn't really know what good friends were yet uh, because we hadn't gotten to know each other. He was the quiet guy in the band. Ed and Al were 
doing all the yakking about, hey, what do you want to do? Michael was just going along with the program. I didn't pay much attention to him, but as the years went by, I started realizing he was my kind of guy. As soon as we went to Cabo San Lucas, where Van Halen started the Cabo Wabo nightclub, Hagar eventually bought out the rest of his bandmates. Mike got it. He went, this effing place is awesome, man. Holy shit, final say it. Um, he and Ed and Al are going, I'm sorry, Ed and Al are going, uh, well, I can't get a, a phone call in. Wait a minute, I can't get room service. Uh, they bitched about the whole thing and it was too hot and all this. Meanwhile, Mike and I, Mikey and I were on the beach saying, this is it. We're drinking tequila and eating tacos. That's when him and I really connected, I think, the first time we went to Cabo. The third question listed here, uh, when did you first realize how well your voices work together? Sammy says, musically, the thing that first got my attention was when we started writing. When we jammed, Mikey didn't sing at all the first time, but when we started writing, and I would say, hey, Mike, can you hit these backgrounds on this? Let's do a background part here, and this harmony on the chorus, I sing in that supersonic range that nobody can go above me. By the way, um, uh, Mick uh, Jones from uh, Foreigner, who produced their fir- th- that first record, 5150, says he was brought in. He told Howard, St- um, what was it? Howard Stern. He, uh, Mick Jones told Howard Stern he was brought in to really work with Sammy on the vocals and kind of get that that high, powerful sound. And certainly it worked in that album, 5150. Uh, so uh, Sammy says, uh, I sing in that supersonic range and nobody can go above me. Steve Perry one time did a record. Uh, with me on Danger Zone. I remember this, um, uh, the Run For Your Life Girl song. He sang harmony with me. He's one of the few guys that ever stepped on stage uh, that could sing above me without going into a falsetto. And when Mike started singing Summer Nights, I'm going, holy shit that this effort can sing. <laughs> it really got, that really got my attention. If you listen to the harmonies on 5150 and OU812, there are a lot of background parts which are very Van Halen-esque so uh, pretty cool stuff the rest of that is online you can read that um, and uh, yeah so that's that's I, I get jazz we did I, you remember we did a whole podcast on uh, 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 Van Hagar uh, when Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony were on Howard Stern <laughs> and it turned out just to be a, a much more less Van Halen-ish interview it was you know they were talking about the circle a couple Van Halen questions they played some Van Halen songs but it was all about the circle and everything else too um so uh what else do we have here well why don't we do a quick word uh from the Dave Kinchin Media Network and then uh, we'll get into some good stuff about uh, more about movies and music and uh, how those movies would transform the way we listen to those songs or the other way around. I'll tell you what, if you love Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, and you know you do, you will love our other show, Dave Kinchin Tonight, a news talk podcast brought to you on iTunes, Spotify, you know the drill, wherever else you get podcasts. If we're not there, we should be. It's almost criminal not to be, and it won't take an act of Congress to get it done. I promise you that. So you've got your rock and roll here and a news talk show. Oh, yeah, we've got you covered. Hi, Brad. 
You know how cute I always thought you were. Ah, yes, of course, moving in stereo from that, uh, well, let's just say memorable scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, 1982. You've got to love those coming-of-age movies in the 80s, you know, uh, whether it's that one or whether it's, uh, I think, some might say 16 Candles or, uh, of course, The Breakfast Club is probably... uh, it was one I did not like in the beginning because I just said there's nothing's happening. <laughs> there's some good songs, but nothing's happening here. <laughs> you know, just sitting around and man, I hope I never get in trouble if I'm in, uh, you know, uh, in trouble in detention or whatever it would be. But um, but I've grown to like that movie. I have to admit, and it certainly uh, just speaks a lot for the, the decade and what young people were going through. Um, but yes, uh, Fast Times. Uh, moving in stereo that was of course uh, from the cars uh, and uh, their 1978 record uh, self-titled record the cars the song written by Rico Kasich uh, and um, sung by Benjamin Orr bassist who passed away in 2000 uh, from cancer uh, tragically um, the that's you know again it's I think when people especially uh, from way back when hear that song they think about that movie um the write-up here that i'm looking at um it was uh, used of, of course prominently uh um the film which accompanies uh, uh judge reinhold's character uh, character's fancy uh, fantasy of uh, and fancy would work of uh, phoebe kate's character uh well um doing something uh involving her bikini top uh, before embracing him look <laughs> You know the movie if you've seen it, okay? I'm I'm used to broadcasting uh, and 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 making things family friendly, so yeah, I'm a little bit corny. I know, you know. He doesn't. What kind of rock star doesn't even want to? A rock and roll host doesn't want to even get in a certain language or or describe certain graphic things. Well. It, <laughs> uh, it's just my nature, folks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's one scene where that movie and that soundtrack. I think Family Guy actually used that song too uh, in a scene that was pretty funny. Um, they did the same thing with Drop Dead Legs in the future when when they saw Future Meg walk by. Uh, in you know, once they ju- uh, Brian and Stewie jumped into the future, you know, Meg's walking down the street and Drop Dead Dead Legs by Van Halen plays and uh, you know, and it's a crisp, clear version of the song too. It's like it's it, it was very well produced anyway um you know we're we're not just talking about great songs and movies but in in uh television shows too you know we we had a family guy example earlier uh with the kiss thing the kiss off as i call it uh the guy dave and peter griffin going at it uh reciting their kiss their kiss knowledge (laughs) um there was even a david lee roth reference i think at family guy but they could have done more with van halen and family guy and and who could forget by the way queen who could i was just watching this the other night um okay so by the way this is fun uh oops bump the microphone don't do that uh this is see how excited i get okay (laughs) um so this was fun uh, Queen had tweeted out, let me see if I can go find this. It is topical, don't you worry, uh, the anniversary of News of the World. Uh, let's see, Queen will, at Queen Will Rock, our friends there. Uh, where is it? 
Or, you know, when it was somebody else um, talking about the anniversary of News of the World, and they tweeted that out. Uh, news of the World. I'm going to get you the exact date. The exact uh, date on this. Because I was frustrated. Somebody beat me to this online. Okay, uh, well. No, uh, July. It was recorded in July. Anyway, whatever the case was, um, there was a, a uh, somebody was bringing up a key moment for the album News of the World by Queen, which came out in 1977. And uh, um, the person who tweeted this out said, what does this remind you of? And of course, I was going to go and, and say, or sum this album up in one word. And I was going to write Stewie and then somebody else beat me to it they, they posted a picture of Stewie freaked out after uh, looking at the picture of that album cover and the robot that freaked him out all the time so I always had great fun with that too so another well done rock and roll um, reference and uh, oh gee you know what um, <laughs> I'm thinking of another one on Family Guy when uh, Joe is trying to you know Brian's writing and Joe the cop, you gotta know the show, come on folks, you gotta love the show, uh, Joe is, uh, you know, trying to do the drum solo and, uh, in, in the air tonight, <laughs> we're gonna post that scene, I'm writing, listen, I, I could air it, but, well, I, better off just posting it, so, we're gonna write all this down, we're gonna post, uh, see, Family Guy, Queen, Scene, and, of course, uh, the scene for, uh, sometimes I write and I forget to post this stuff. Uh, and, uh, we were just talking about it. Of course we are talking about the queen and, um, oh gosh. In the air tonight. Yes. In the air tonight. This is what the Mondays do to you, folks. This is what happens on the Mondays, you know? And by the way, my favorite tea place was closed. So I can't, I can say that this show's brought to you by water, but uh, not brought to you by tea because we didn't get there in time today. It's just, it, it, don't even get me started on the Mondays. Um, this, <laughs> um, here's another one that uh, we all know as well, and that's Tom Petty uh, and the Heartbreak. Well, it's the, Tom Petty's first solo album, uh, Full Moon Fever, and of course the song Free Fallen, and uh, you know Jerry Maguire singing that badly, but maybe better than me, and as he's driving down the highway there, you know, I'm free falling. <laughs> um, it's another uh, just a time that a very big song was used in a, in a big movie, that movie coming out in the mid-90s. Um, just, it was, it was it just, it, it, you know, it was a love story. It was a, you know, business and 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 the quest for being on the top of your game and and starting over and you know all throughout that you know true love is right there. Um, that's a very simplified uh, synopsis of the movie, but uh, you know it. It was just there was something about it that honestly I didn't think was going to make it that iconic for the decade. It was like okay, this is a this is a cool movie, you know. But it, it, there was something about it that, that later worked. Really, it did. It worked. I don't know. I, maybe it's just the, the love story. And, and I, th I think how cute Renee Zellweger was in that movie. I think, you know, I mean, she was one of my childhood crushes, I guess you can say, in a way. Um, that was a long list, though. Of, I mean, who was on that list? Julia Roberts, Demi Moore. Um, oh boy, a, lot, a lot of uh, lovely actresses in movies with great soundtracks. <laughs> so I loved them even more if the soundtrack was good. Um, but uh, yeah, Jerry Maguire is one there. Um, 
you know what I was rocking out to? I was rocking out to Tommy and um, Eric Clapton in that movie. Uh, I was there's that performance of um, uh, "Eyesight to the Blind." It's just such a it's such a great song. I mean, it's got a groove to it. Um, you know what? We're gonna post that on the Facebook page too. Um, it's a it's a it's a trippy scene, and um, there's just it, it, that's Eric Clapton's great, spectacular in it, and it, you know every there's so many other cameos in that in that that movie too. Um, we could do a whole nother show on uh, on the movie Tommy. You, you really could. You could do a whole nother show on that. I mean, you know, with so many people with um, you know so many people who are in it. So we're going to post that on there, too. Uh, I remember seeing that. I think VH1 played that years ago. Um, when did they play that? Uh, this, it was like the 90s, and they were just, they had, VH, it was back in the time when VH1 uh, was doing more of the old adult contemporary stuff, and uh, MTV was all about what the kids were into, and so they, they played uh, Tommy. I remember um, they played, um, there was the, the, when the Rolling Stones put out, um, the 94 album they there was a big documentary uh, that they played that they aired a bunch of times about the Rolling Stones so man VH1 was great for, for music back in the day if you like if you like more of the contemporary rock VH1 was amazing for that and now look at the stuff on there and of course MTV doesn't even do v, don't even get me started on that anyway so those are some of the mentions I had again I always want to do a top 10 list but then I realize you know it's probably not a good idea to do a top 10 list because you're going to forget something you're going to leave somebody out and it's not fair when you do that so I didn't really want to do that uh, but anyway uh, what a great way to get the week started again some rock and roll some Sammy Hagar by the way of course uh, Sammy Hagar what was that other Sammy Hagar had a big soundtrack too uh, heavy metal Sammy Hagar that was I just had this here too. Heavy metal movie. Sammy Hagar, and that was, um, of course, the film Heavy Metal, 1981. Um, yeah, that was that was a good soundtrack too. It was a really good soundtrack. Let me see. We'll just uh, finish up by figuring out, uh, going over the names of all the people on that soundtrack. Let's see, because it was, that really was a good one. Uh, you've got uh, Veteran of the Psychic Wars, of course, by Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, Heavy Metal Taking a Ride, Don Felder. Uh, Crazy, A Suitable Case for Treatment. Nazareth, Open Arms Journey. Queen Bee, Grand Funk Railroad, I Must Be Dreamin', Cheap Trick, The Mob Rules, Black Sabbath, all of you, Don Felder, man, he was all over that. Uh, Blue Lamp by Stevie Nicks. So Sammy Hagar had the title track there um, with Heavy Metal. And, of course, um, Working in a Coal Mine by Devo. And I guess they whipped that one good, too. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, folks, uh, welcome back to the week. We will be back Tuesday night with uh, a bit more going on in the rock and roll world. Not a whole lot of news, at least that I saw, um, but uh, we will have more of that for you 
news and um well we always talk about we'll have some fun stuff it's music it's rock and roll there's always something fun to talk about uh that and more on the tuesday show have a great start to the week don't work too hard my friends but always rock harder don't work too hard always rock harder oh i like that that's good that's really good Thank you.